Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason and with me as usual is Rich. Hello, Rich. What's up, Jason? Well, quite a exciting night for Last Dance episodes three and four. Um, really, the show, I think, ramped up a lot um, in the last two episodes. The first two, I certainly liked. You know, we talked about it. We, we enjoyed them. Learned a lot of new stuff. But I, I think the... Um, it felt like there was more reviewed or at least there was more um, unbridled honesty than I expected in certain situations. Yeah. And I think the other aspect that I really liked about this particular, you know, these two episodes that some people might kind of disagree with a little bit is there was a lot of sort of older footage and talk about old seasons. Like, honestly, if you add it up, the amount of like, quote unquote, you know, 1998 content we got in these two episodes was pretty low, but I'm not complaining. Man. Right. I like this stuff. I like going back to Doug Collins. I like adding to the triangle. I like, you know, Michael having to fight through the Pistons. Like that stuff is, you know, obviously with the podcast we do, I'm all about that sort of stuff. So I, I, I could see that being a criticism that some people have that, oh man, this is focusing a little bit too much on all these things and not 1998, but I'm fine with that. It's a 10 part documentary. Like you, there's not, you know, we're already in January, 1998 and it's like, all right, Pippen's back. Okay. And like, there's nowhere else really to go until we start getting to the playoffs and getting to the finals and that sort of stuff. So I have no issue with it, but I, I, I can't see some people saying like, wait a minute, isn't this about like the final season? Whereas, you know, I think you and I and, and, and anybody that really appreciates NBA history would be perfectly fine with these two episodes. Cause I think they were, they were really, really good. Absolutely. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot of highlights that, that we'll get to, but, um, you know, episode three focused mainly on Dennis Rodman, 
um, coming to the Bulls in 96 and then where he is in the 98 season after two championships, sort of having a tough time keeping his motivation. Scottie Pippen leaving for a little while because of the injury, missing the first 35 games of the, of the season gives him some extra motivation. He likes sort of being the, the one guy that Jordan feels like he can rely on on the team, you know, unequivocally, which is, I think is interesting. Um, and hopefully we'll get more into that um, as we focus on other guys on the team, like Kukoc in particular, uh, who, as you've noted, has been absent so far for the documentary, understandably that he's not, you know, he'll be part of the story later, I'm sure. But, um, but, you know, a guy who definitely hasn't been part of it yet. I'm about um, to get real mad if we go through the uh, the Olympics right. episode and we don't talk about Tony Kuko. I'm hoping, I, I know, knowing the next episode is about the Olympics, I'm like, okay, come on, you got to give yeah, me some Tony I, content. I, I we got a little bit of Horace Grant content, so I'm okay. Yeah, uh, there's yeah, just one. Yeah, we're just missing Tony content, but then I'll be then I'll be okay. Right. Yeah. There. I mean, it wasn't uh, like a whole lot of Horace Grant. Content. <laughs> it wasn't very flattering. What like. we got was 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 quality content. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? I yeah. dude, I did not know that uh, that that Horace Grant still looked the way he did, man. That dude, I wouldn't fuck. I wouldn't walk. No. Not a dark no. alley. <laughs> Horace he Grant. Is, that that, dude. Yes. That dude oh. is still built. Like I, he still looks like he get yes. like eight and nine. You know, if you put yeah. him out there in an NBA game, like. Right. There you go. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be modern Reggie Evans. You know? Exactly. Yeah, he looks like yeah. I'm not sure. I, are we sure right. that Horace Grant and Reggie Evans are two different people? <laughs> Have you ever I, seen I, them together? I, Think about I, it. I haven't. No. Um, yeah, I, I, no. I mean, that, that would be – we'll have to see if there's some good investigation of that. You know, we'll have to dig into that one. But, uh, yeah, and the other focus of Episode 3 is, um, you know, related to Rodman is, of course, um, Jordan and the Bulls battles in the late 80s and into the early 90s uh with the bad boy pistons that rodman of course was an important part of um so yeah i mean you know we start with rodman um you know we get a little bit into the back um history of you know his origin um you know he um you know, basically was thrown out of his house when he was 18. He kind of you spent a couple years in the streets, eventually ended up um, in college and, um, you know, in a, in a small school in Oklahoma, uh, is drafted in the second round by the Pistons and then takes a couple years to figure out, oh, yeah, I'm I can be really, really awesome at rebounding and defense and, um, you know, put this team into, you know, championship contention, which he does. And, um you know, it is, is absolutely um, fantastic. And then as the Pistons dynasty sort of breaks down, um, uh, Rodman has a lot of personal struggles. We get into that, goes to the Spurs, which does not go particularly well, but uh, personally starts to emerge as the guy with like colorful hair. He dates Madonna. He um, starts to, you know, get, you know, pretty famous outside of basketball. And then of course, you know, ends up going to the uh, Bulls. Yeah. I, I do like that. Uh, demolition man was like the reason why he, decided, <laughs> yes, you know, what? Right. Which is great. I love demolition. Yeah. Man. I think it's, it's, a, a, it's, a, yeah. it's a fun movie. So I will, sure. I will defend demolition man to the end, but I just right. love the idea that he, you know, he, he gets out of the movie theater and goes, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's what I'm going to be. And, and right. you know, yes. that kind of gets everything going, which, you know, I, gotta, I respect that a little bit. And uh, uh, one thing I want to know too, and I think I, I think I tweeted it out. Uh, tonight as well that the trade of the Spurs is an interesting one uh, because he is traded for Sean Elliott. So Sean Elliott started with the Spurs, which actually a lot of people probably forget because they they know that he was a Spur for you know ever. You, you know, like I think right, everybody right, kind of right. remembers him as a Spur, and it's like no, he had a, a brief run uh, on the Pistons. I think he's even in NBA Jam uh, as a Piston, and then the year after 
Uh, he does one year with the Pistons and gets traded back to San Antonio. But it is uh, not great deal by Detroit. So they trade uh, Dennis Rodman for Sean Elliott. Then the next year trade Sean Elliott for Bill Curley. Um, not yeah. good because a lot of people are no. listening going, who the hell is Bill Curley? Exactly. <laughs> not right. a good trade. So, uh, yeah, Detroit. Uh, and that was pretty typical of Detroit for the rest of the 90s and pretty much the early 2000s where they were uh, not other – than, other than drafting Grant Hill, there was not a lot of great moves going on in Detroit, unfortunately. So No, not until, of course, the championship. You know, Joe Dumars goes in and they – you know, early 2000s, they start to get it up, absolutely. But, yeah, you know, obviously – you know, Rodman is an incredible force. And, and you know, they bring up the fact that, you know, talk a lot about his personality, talk about how he, um, you know, is obviously a challenging guy, but also had an incredible energy, was, you know, did a lot of studying of how to, you know, figure out how to maximize his rebounding, understanding angles, understanding how to defend players. And, and of course, was basically the perfect basketball fit to, the team because he didn't need the ball. He was incredible defense and he could handle the um, the rebounding load and let, you know, Jordan do Jordan things, Pippen do Pippen things. And, you know, everyone else kind of just fell in line. And, um, you know, the they talk about how Jerry Krause was really reluctant to sign him, but his assistant, Jim Stack, basically talked him into it with the idea that, yeah, he'll respect Phil and MJ and Scotty. He's not going to have the same kind of problems that they have with the Spurs who, you know, we're a good team, but obviously didn't have the cachet that, you know, um, Jordan and Pippen did at that point with all the championships they'd um, they'd had before. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and one thing we should note as well, I, I think and we, you and I have talked about it many times. Anytime we've really talked about Dennis Rodman or went through the career of Dennis Rodman or whatever, is that there was a time period, too, where he was a decent score. I mean, he averaged, you know, 11 points a game in his his, his sophomore year. Uh, there was times where he actually was taking like one you know one to two three pointers a, a game which you know at this time we're talking you know early early 90s that was you know pretty that that's that's like yeah. taking a lot of threes at that point uh you know he didn't make a ton of them he wasn't a great shooter but he, he was a score he was kind of an all-around uh player but then you start to see those final years in Detroit San Antonio and then obviously Chicago where he just decided you know what I'll score off of putbacks. I'll score off of rebounds. But, yeah, don't pass me the ball. I'm not really going to shoot. I'm not really going to do anything, but I'm going to get you 18 rebounds a game or 15 rebounds a game. or I'm, I'm going to lead the league every single year uh, in in those. And, yeah, it is kind of interesting that there was a time period. Like, he didn't come into the league with that mentality of I'm just going to get every single rebound and, and I don't care to, to score. Like, he did try to score. He was a scorer at some times. He wasn't a particularly great scorer. And I think, obviously, anybody would agree that his, his best asset – was you know the rebounding and stuff, but this is a guy who did lead the league in field goal percentage for a year. You know, in 1989, he led the league, you know, 59 and a half percent because he was, you know, he was taking shots and he was making shots. But yeah, quickly he realized, hey, my best asset, and particularly when he went to the Bulls, was like, look, don't even think about passing to me. There's no need to do it. I'll just right. get rebounds and I'll score off that. But I do think for people that don't haven't done the research or haven't looked at it, you you should be aware that Dennis Rodman did change his game. That he wasn't always just that player. I right. did sort of adapt and evolve into that. Yeah, and and obviously, that, and do being that player, he was incredible at it. He was one of those guys who could be a superstar as a role player. Yeah. Um, you know, like, like we talked with Kelly Dwyer last time. We talked um, on the uh, on the show we did with him recently, where yeah, he, he was one of those guys who was just so good at those little things. Even though you know he didn't do much scoring, especially later on in his career, he just was able to contribute by um, doing everything else. And, um, yeah, obviously he filled that role with the Pistons as well um, and was really, you know, key. You know, um, the Adrian Dantley trade 
um, that, you know, Isaiah Thomas has been lying for was a very helpful basketball trade in a sense, because, you know, Rod, it gave Rodman an opening to start and to have a bigger role on that team. Yeah. Um, Take minutes to Danley, you know, um, who could score, but, you know, is a bad defensive player. Um, And it was kind of the final piece to make them, you know, really a a championship contender and uh, was absolutely, you know, I mean, he wasn't the the top guy on that team, but he was absolutely essential to the fact that they won championships. And I think essential, you know, I I don't think the bulls win three championships in a row without Rodman. I mean, maybe they win one or two, but I don't think they win all three for sure. No. And and, yeah, he brought an extra because it, it, everything that he did allowed Pippen to do, you know, what he needed to do, to allow Jordan to do what he needed to do, to allow Tony Kukoc to do what he needed to do, to allow basically everybody else to, to do that. And yeah, if you're, if your primary big man is, you know, a Luke Longley type or whatever, saying, for, forget, who, who knows who they had, could have had a power forward or whatever. But if it was like Luke Longley was your big man, like that's, I don't know if there's quite enough there. And like you said, they were similar to those Pistons teams as well as a lot of the, the, the 98, 97, 96 Bulls. They were a very, very good team, but a lot of it was off like, the attitude that they presented to you, you, you know, like they were still tremendously, you know, gifted players, still really, really good. But Jordan was starting to slow down even a slight amount. Pippen was starting to slow down a slight amount. His injuries were mounting up. Uh, you know, they needed to kind of be that team that did everything the right way and, and, and worked on the edges and did that sort of stuff. And that's what kind of play, you know, player Rodman is. He's the guy that will get like a game breaking, you know, offensive rebound or, you know, just completely, you know, hound your, your opposing player and get him, you know, his focus out of the game or whatever. And that's really the stuff that the Bulls and, and similar to the Pistons as well, where they really relied on that and really used, you know, Rodman's skills in, in those fringes to really, really help them out. So, yeah, I'm right with you. I, I think he's a huge asset to those those last three titles. Yeah. And, you know, the other part of the documentary, the main focus was, uh, you know, Jordan, um, basically the rise of Jordan starting the rivalry with the um, the Pistons. So the, the Bulls hire Doug Collins before the 87 season. Jordan loves Collins, loves playing for him, um, you know, really motivated to play for him. It's a very Jordan-centric offense. I mean, you know, Jordan – you know, would he average like 36, 37 points uh, per game one year? Um, I mean, it's something obviously really yeah, crazy. Yeah. It's something that was, um, you know, outside of Wilt, you know, all, no one had ever done. Um, and, you know, there's a there's a fun story that Collins tells about um, you know, his coaching debut. It's in Madison Square Garden. You know, it's close. You know, Collins is really nervous. And Jordan basically is like, yeah, chill out. I'm not going to let you lose the first game. And then he ends up scoring 50 points in Madison Square Garden and, you know, um, and so forth. And they, they talk about, you know, they, they had a few ups and downs here and, and there. There's one famous um, time where um, Doug's in front of the cameras and then he calls Michael over. And he says, hey, I can come give me a kiss so we can kiss and make up. And, you know, he does. And uh, it's a funny moment. But um, and um, and then, yeah, then we get to, um, of course, you know, the Bulls, the fact that the Bulls and the Cavs are kind of rising in the East in 89. Uh, and of course, you know, the famous series, uh, Jordan hitting the shot, um, you know, with, it was easy to forget is that the Cavs, you know, were six and zero against the bulls in the regular season there. And we're actually kind of the favorite team. Um, but you know, that, that was definitely, a, a, um, yeah, you know, a key moment, obviously in the Jordan narrative, obviously the, the shots extremely famous. We talked about it on the show. Um, and you know, just it, it kind of the idea that it got them over the hump finally of like, okay, we've won a playoff series. We're starting to be winners. We've changed around this team, you know, um, 
you know, uh, Grant and Pippen are about to come along. You know, you're starting to see the, you know, the the team that would emerge in the next couple of years right at this point. Right. And 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 one thing that's that's pretty interesting about this time period and, and this building of the Bulls team and the slow maturity and the, okay, now we've gotten over this hump. Okay, now we have this new hump with the Pistons. And then, okay, we got through that. It, like, the thing, it, and, and I think I saw a few tweets coming out about it uh, while it was happening, too, is that, like, Imagine like in today's NBA, like this this team is not together for all these years. You know what I mean? Like they lose against the Pistons the second year, and it's like, all right, forget it. Pippen, you're out of here. Jordan's right. leaving. Like this 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 sort of stuff. Like you know, cherish when you see these stories because like I don't know that stuff like this is ever going to happen again. Like I don't know that teams are ever going to slowly but surely kind of okay. Well, this year it didn't work, but here's what we're going to do. Okay we got over that hump and now we got this hump. That's fine. Like we're going to get over that and get over that. And, get, and then, but like I, maybe one of these days we'll see it again, but it feels like such a far, like that, that's something that just seems so foreign in today's yeah. NBA where it's like, you know, try it out, see what happens for a year or two. And if it doesn't work, all right, blow it all up and do it all over again. It's, it's kind of nuts, but yeah, this it's, it's cool to see a team that like, this was what it was. Okay. F- oh, phew. We finally beat the, the Cavs. We finally won a playoff series. Let's go. And then, boom, and now here's the Pistons. And it's like, ah, shit. <laughs> like, we're not here yet. Like, we still have another hump. And it was, that, that's, it was the huge, tremendous, like, sigh of relief to finally get a playoff win. But it was still years and years and years away from them actually getting over what was the true hump, which is the Detroit Pistons, which is a really cool story to tell. And it makes the, the, the first Jordan title and the first Bulls title all that much more important and, and, and poignant, knowing that they battled and, and clawed and scratched or whatever for, for four or five years to get to that point is is, is really cool. And and really, yeah, like I said, kind of foreign uh, in today's NBA, it seems. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then sort of the end, you know, we get a little bit into the Pistons. Basically, you know, they – felt that the NBA wanted Jordan to win. They felt that they were in the way that you'd be surprised that the Pistons have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. It's hard to believe. It's back <laughs> with it, you know, um, Not that but, team. <laughs> they, they talk about the, the Jordan rules, you know, um, that, uh, that, that of course they famously had, uh, yeah, obviously they got very physical with him. The idea of stopping him before it takes flight, hit him in the paint. You know, there's a lot of clips of um, them knocking him around a lot of physical, um, basketball between the two and you know obviously the Pistons were um, known for that it was very effective they they won a couple championships but of course I, I think they also are um, excessively maligned in history because of uh, that as well so I guess uh, I, I guess they uh, they got what they wanted but it also hurt them in a sense in the end as well yeah and we've touched on this in, in in the in the past as well on the show but yeah for people that haven't listened like you know what, we, what we've always said about the Pistons is like to get over the hump and to become a successful team they had to sort of shed or not necessarily shed, but create this image of toughness and we're a badass team. We shove you to the ground and maybe not create that image, like, but actually be that type of team. And they weren't that team. Like they were a pretty good team. They were a successful team, but to really get over the hump and, and for them to feel like they had finally made it, they kind of had to slow things down and become that kind of bruising team or whatever. The bad boys documentary does a great job uh, of touching on that. Well, where it's like, yeah, here's this team that can really kind of get up and down the court and has a bunch of good scores and a bunch of, you know, good players. And Hey, Lambeer's got a lot of skills and talent and all that sort of stuff. But like, you never hear about that. You hear about, well, here's Bill Lambeer shoving somebody to the floor. Here's Rick Mahorn, you know, elbowing somebody in the face. And here's Isaiah Thomas just being, you know, Isaiah Thomas just a, a pain in the ass or whatever. And that's kind of their own doing. Like you feel bad because you're like, Oh man, the Pistons like, no, there's so much more to them. But then you're like, ah, man, but they kind of wanted it this way. Like, this is really the way that they wanted to. And and their success was largely, you know, based off this. It wasn't just, like, a coincidence that they became this type of team and all of a sudden the success came. Like, they, they, 
punched the Boston Celtics literally and figuratively to, to get over right. the hump and to win those sure. titles. So yeah. it's yeah. like it's a fair assessment to be like, yeah, these that's what these guys were. It, 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 you know, yeah. I do see a lot of people push back on that and go, no, no, no. It's like, no, there's so much more than that. And it's like they are, but like they wanted this. They own this. I mean, they they sure. they, they were sure. selling bad boy shirts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're not like, oh, whoa, yeah. hold on no. a minute. What? Right. Like hey. we're not no. bad. Like they were literally we're selling nice. bad boy shirts. They had bad oh, boys yeah. flags. Like they knew it. Yeah. They knew what they were. So uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, we don't need any revisionist history. They knew what the hell they were, and they were fine being that too. So, sure. Um, yeah, I've, a couple of the things. Um, I, I like the story about Phil's uh, first meeting with Rodman and Rodman's uh, qu- quote: "I don't care, whatever, what's up." After Phil asked him if he wanted to join the team, so um, <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all take that attitude into life. Right. I, yeah. I enjoy that but, attitude. <laughs> I feel like if I ever. Talk to Phil Jackson. I would have that attitude as well. You know? Right. Phil's like, here you go. Here's like a yeah. here's a book about you know uh, yeah. coyotes migrating, and you're like, yeah, right. I don't care, man. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um. And you know, J- Jordan and Rodman both getting sick of you know the the media hassle. Jordan, yeah, having to have questions about the final year. Of course, we talked about with trade making the trade demand um, previously and getting questions about that and. Um, uh, Rodman's quote of I play the games for free. You get paid for the bullshit is, uh, <laughs> is a great one as well. Um, and then, yeah. And then, you know, Pippen comes back, uh, after 35 games off. And then the story of Rodman feeling like he's getting a little bit lost cause he's not needed doing more drinking and partying. And then I, I love the, the best part of the documentary so far up until something we were talking about in episode four is, um, you know, you, you get it from Jordan and from Rodman and from Pippen and from Phil's point of view of Dennis basically saying, hey, I need a vacation. Uh, they finally agreed to 48 hours in uh, in Vegas. And you, it, this is going to tie into episode four. So maybe, maybe we'll maybe we'll cut it off there and go in episode four unless you have anything else you want to talk about. Uh, in, I don't. Uh, yeah, three. I'm okay. excited to talk about the vacation here in a bit. But, yeah, I, I think uh, I think that's it for episode three that I have. OK. So continuing with episode four, we get a Carmen Electra appearance, which I was <laughs> I was not expecting, but uh, looking fantastic and, too. Good for her. Yeah, right. Yeah, and um, you know she um, she admits that she hid from Michael Jordan in the hotel room when when Jordan came, and you know after forty eight hours had passed and Robin hadn't showed up, he went there and uh, he's like, "Hey, buddy, let's uh, let's get going." Uh, Jordan's quote was, "I ain't gonna say what was in the bed or where he was." So. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, just just the whole story of just everyone's reaction to seeing Jordan tell the story, and uh, you know, Rodman laughing and Pippen laughing, and you know, Phil, and that 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 was priceless. That that, that was, was pretty good. Know, yeah, I, I also yeah. like the idea too that they uh, they needed somebody to go to uh, Las Vegas to pick up uh, Dennis Rodman, and uh, right. believe it or not, it wasn't Scott Perel, or it wasn't you know right. <laughs> Bill Weddington. Yeah. It was. Michael right. Jordan's like, hey, you know what? I'll I'll do it. I'll you know I'll spend sure. a day over in Las yeah. Vegas. Like I just right. love that he's the first one to be like, yeah, hey, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Well, just, I don't think I don't think Jordan was any stranger to Vegas. That's either. what I said. Yeah. He was yeah. like, you know what? Yeah. I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do it. yeah. yeah. Why not? So I was like, yeah. I'm sure he gave Rodman another six or seven hours while he went and did his thing. I was like, all right. right, let's do this. Let's pick him up. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I I'm assuming that they're gonna 
bring up the idea of like yeah, Jordan was no stranger to nightlife either. You know, I mean, yeah, so I'm far sure we have Michael Jordan yeah. who's like walking into hotel rooms like, oh my god, alcohol, marijuana, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> yeah. naked Carmen Electra, yeah. gross, what? ew, yeah, right. <laughs> like you're yeah. Michael Jordan, which right. The Carmen Electra thing was hilarious too because she admitted like playing like numerous times before that, and it's like I don't right. think like Michael Jordan's gonna be too upset like or too like right. like oh my god, a naked woman, oh my god, it's Carmen Electra, like just yes. the, the whole thing yeah. is just incredible. What a what a what a moment that in time yeah. that was! Is Michael Jordan opening oh, yeah. the room in a, a nude Carmen Electra and a whatever the hell Dennis Rodman, you know, in in, in a hotel room and him just being like, "Oh dear God, <laughs> like, yeah. what the hell's going on? The hell? I just want to play basketball." But yeah, oh man, incredible! Yeah, I love Dennis Rodman's stories are just the best. Yes. <laughs> it's hard to believe he, he's a real human being. So we episode four. Um, focus a lot on Phil Jackson um talk about you know kind of his background and and growing up in Montana his evangelical background of his parents and then of course um you know getting into um a lot of um, Native American culture and uh, Buddhism as well and you know kind of you know getting more into like his philosophies as a person as a, as building a team um also I, I never really thought about it and I don't entirely know if the comparison works but the parallels between phil and rodman as players in terms of their style of play mm-hmm. and you know and kind of doing the dirty work and sort of being um misfits of their teams i i mean i, I can see it obviously rodman was a way better player than than phil was but you know um but i you know maybe a little bit of a stretch but you know it's something i never really thought about before yeah no i'm, I'm i um i i, I kind of I, like i know a phil style but yeah i had never really made that parallel either that like the maybe one of the best person people to unlock, you know, what Dennis Rodman and the real, you know, everything that Dennis Rodman could be, you know, Phil Jackson might be a good guy to do that. Cause yeah, he's like, Hey, look, I get it. I understand doing the dirty work and, and right. being that sort of player too. So yeah, that was pretty cool. And uh, I always love seeing clips of like Phil Jackson in the seventies, man. Like he, he was it. I love the beard, the hair. Oh, yeah. Like oh, he, yeah. he rocked that, that. Like I've never, I like, I don't really ever particularly think the Knicks jerseys, like I'm a weirdo like that. I don't like the Knicks and I don't really care about the Knicks jersey or the Knicks history or whatever, man, he made it work. Yeah. He had that blue and that, that, that just, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. It's just like he, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun to see clips of, of old Phil Jackson, you know, playing as sure. well, because I think a lot of people yeah. know he plays in the NBA, but yeah, like you said, to forget maybe how he played or the style he played or what he looked like when he played too, or that he was doing acid while he's playing as well, right. which is also right. a pretty exactly. fun yeah. story that we found yeah. out too. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, coaching in Puerto Rico stories, you get some video of that and the, and then with the Albany patroons and the CBA, I want a CBA uh, documentary so badly. Oh, yeah. I know there's oh, no yeah. footage. And like it's impossible to cobble together stories because it's such a ridiculous league. Yeah. Like, there's not even like a good book about the CBA either. I've tried, I've looked, I've searched. There's nobody really has collected the CBA in, in yeah. one. I'm not. I'm not offering to do it because God only knows no, how you even no. start yeah. doing that. But man, the CBA has got so many good stories and so many weird people that have run through it and so many random teams or whatnot. That uh, man, I, I I couldn't wait. But yeah, the Puerto Rico thing was pretty wild too. With you know, freaking. Uh, Guys get shot the mayor right. shooting, yeah, shooting somebody, like, yeah. Like we don't and, have enough uh, of that in today's NBA. You know what I mean? Right. I want the mayor of, yeah. you know, I want Kevin Johnson, the mayor of Sacramento. Shoot, he's not still the mayor anymore. He can't be right. Prop, no, I, I was going to no, say I, after everything that went on, hopefully he's not anymore. Yeah. That to be happen. Yeah, right. I would, hopefully I would assume. he's right. not. That's the only. I can't think of any other like famous yeah. mayors other well, than like yeah. Chicago, but that's boring. I don't want to. I guess you can be president, so I guess it doesn't really matter. Actually, anyway, so moving on, we. Back in 8990, you know, um, we get into Jerry Cross's love of Tex Winter and the triangle. Um, 
and of course the philosophical collision with um with Doug Collins, who is most of his plays focus on isolating MJ. Um, and, you know, I think Jerry intended for um, Doug to learn from Tex Winter because he loves Tex Winter, but, um, you know, Doug and Tex end up fighting. Tex end up getting dem- demoted from the bench. Uh, Phil, I think, sees the writing on the wall and understands like, you know, Hey, my GM loves this guy. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick Texas brain. Um Doug refers vaguely to this the sense that Phil could become the coach and the is asked to uh expound further but doesn't does not really um you know with the idea and, you know and of course they make the change and uh Jordan chafes at the change like he likes the idea like Doug put the ball in my hands um but eventually comes to see the wisdom of you know kind of getting the other team more involved um even though he says, I didn't want Bill Cartwright to have the ball in his hands with five seconds left, uh, which is a funny <laughs> quote. Um, but, you know, he obviously, um, you know, Scotty emerges um, as a point forward as an all-star for the first time in 1990. Horace Grant as well um, moves forward. So, you know, the obviously he sees that it uh, starts to pay dividends, you know, pr- pretty early on. Yeah, the, the uh, you know, switching coaches – you know, after an Eastern Conference Finals birth to some some big balls, man. That's that's right. that's tough to do. That that would yeah. get you eaten alive. And I'm and even at the time, a lot of questions um, as well. They kind of glossed over it and, and kind of said, "Yeah, the transition. Yeah, then Phil Jackson was the coach, and the yeah, you know, let's go." But like, I you know, go back and read some stuff from the time. Like, it was pretty. Like, what are you doing? And especially when like you know the quotes from Michael weren't exactly like, "Yeah, this is something I want." Like, it was right. yet another. You know, it could have been seen had it not worked out the way it did. Another one of the, well, Jerry Cross is fucking with this team. What is he doing type things? But then it ends up being, oh, well, to Phil Jackson, actually, never mind. It's great because Phil's perfect and Tex is able to, you know, do a little bit of, uh, you know, add the triangle and, and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, at the time, it's like and, – and Phil even – I think he had a quote about it as well where he's like, yeah, look how – like I was going to tell the best player and an icon in sports, a multiple-time MVP, hey, stop, you know, doing what you do. And sure. get the ball to your teammates more, and it's like that's hard to sell, especially to you know someone as strong-willed as, as Michael Jordan. It took a a lot of just making Phil the coach, and then Phil coming in there and instilling that triangle right off the bat too. Is is you know it obviously worked tremendously. The success right. is there, but yeah, that that's like that's very difficult yeah. to do. Like I could see absolutely most teams and most leagues or most people being perfectly fine. Hey, look, we we lost the East Conference Finals. Let's run it back. Let's figure out what's going to go on. And, you know, we're not changing anything. For them to change everything and, and 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 as drastically as they did is 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 pretty wild, right? And there's a lot of push pull, um, you know, from Jordan. I mean, he embraced it sometimes. He didn't at other times. Yeah. Obviously, there's flexibility with Phil in there, and, and and you know, Kobe and Phil went through a lot of the same stuff, um, as well. And um, but 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 yeah, it obviously you know obviously it worked out pretty well at the end. Um, but uh, so you know we we. The rest of the series, you know, um, there's a little bit in 98, which we'll get into in the end, but uh, the rest of it basically focuses on, you know, okay, more battles with the Pistons. Um, You know, they lose in 88. They um, get closer in 89, but they lose again in 89. And then 90, Phil's first year, they they lose in seven games. And um, Jordan's smile at... 
that's the Scotty migraine game is, is, is very notable. I would say his sort of, I, I don't know how I would describe that smile exactly like a, like a knowing smile. Like I, I get the impression that Jordan is not entirely convinced about Scotty Pippen's migraine. Oh no, for sure. Yeah. Even to, yeah. I mean, God, it's, <laughs> it's in 1990 right. and we're in 2020 right. or, or, or whatever. Or, 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 yeah. Or if he cares about it or, or if he believes that he doesn't care, he thinks he should, you know, he doesn't believe in migraines or he doesn't believe migraines should hold you yeah, back. Yeah. I, I think, sort of I think the, yeah. the smile there was definitely a, yeah, Scotty just didn't have it that game. He wasn't mentally tough. And, and yeah, it's the quote unquote migraine game. Okay. Yeah. Sure. sure. Whatever. Like that, right. that's the way that I read it. And, and everything that I've, I've known about the situation too, is that Michael's, always kind of thought yeah that uh, i don't i don't really quite believe right. in that which I, find that, yeah. I mean i don't I, I again i don't know who the hell knows but like right. you know michael jordan showed up to, you know, the quote unquote flu game and, and it's not like scotty i mean scotty did play 42 minutes in the game it's not like you know right it wasn't like ah oh, you know what i can't even get out there and he played four minutes and then and went to the locker room like he still played a lot of minutes but he just yeah it wasn't very good in the game so right sure sure so you know after that, you know, they make a big deal about, uh, you know, MJ starts weight training, um, which, you know, can I bring up something real quick? Sure. sure. Okay. Like, I love old basketball. Old basketball is great. Uh, the idea that like Michael Jordan after like you know, it's seven years in the, in the league is like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start lifting some weights. <laughs> like, think about that compared to like today's NBA and the way that right. today's NBA and the nutrition and the weightlifting and that sort of just the idea that it's like. Michael being like, ah, hey, you know what I'm going to do this year? I'm going to lift weights. He's already like a two-time MVP. Like, you know, he's already, he's almost 30 at this point. And like, yeah, it's just, what a, what a different, a very, very different NBA uh, it is now that, that, than, than, you know, it was back then, but. Sure, sure. And, um, you know, Jordan admits that, you know, the idea that he wasn't thought of as a winner in the same way that Magic and Bird were really ate at him, you know, um, Grant and Pippen. Admit sort of a combination of being motivated by Jordan, also fearing him. Um, so that obviously um, motivated them to work harder and to also lift and um, become better players. So, um, you know, and then Jordan also said, yeah, yeah, I started to feel like I could count on them, you know, first, first Pippen and then Grant right afterward. And then we get into the 1990 playoff series against the uh, Pistons. And uh, I would say this whole sequence is uh, so far the highlight of the documentary, supplementing the highlight from uh, the last show. Would you agree? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I love this. And, and yeah, it put the cherry on top is Horace Grant's uh, quote at the end. But, yeah, good, great stuff with this. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, the idea, um, you know, and it, of course, if, if for those who don't know, uh, the Bulls ended up sweeping the Pistons in that series. Um the Pistons notoriously um, walk out um, before the game is, you know, like with eight, like five seconds left or whatever. Uh, the game's, of course, you know, is in hand, but not officially done. And they walk out without shaking, um, you know, the Bulls' hands on the floor. Um, Horace Grant's quote on that is straight up bitches is the way that they left the game. Um, Jordan refers to the 91 series as putting them out of their misery. Obviously, it exercises a lot of demons. The Bulls are physical. They hit back. And, um, you know, Isaiah Thomas attempts to explain the Pistons' position. They, they've done this before. You know, the Bad Boys obviously had a documentary as well. Um, and um, and Isaiah, he does raise a good point about, you know, the fact that the 88 Celtics treated them very much in the same way um, of walking off the floor, you know, as the game was going on. Uh, Dan was, was shooting a free throw. 
Um, and then Isaiah actually has to run over to Kevin McHale and like sort basically sarcastically extends his hand out. Um, and then McHale, you know, reluctantly shakes it. Um, you, you know, so so I, Isaiah does make a, a good point there, but Jordan makes a better one about how like yeah, in eighty nine ninety, you know, we we shook their hands when they were losing. You know, we deserve that from them. You know, they were bullshit. And you know, and obviously Isaiah is an asshole. Um, that, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, and a bigger one than Jordan. You know, so um, so yeah. Yeah, so, that, that was like five minutes where you were just like, man, who's the bigger asshole? And you're like, well, they both right. are. But like, <laughs> it's, it's clearly Isaiah, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, no, it's definitely yes, Isaiah Thomas no. is, a, is, 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 right. is the absolute the worst. Right. Yeah, so right. uh, that entire yeah. time, I'm, I'm, even though he's like mildly right, I'm still rolling my eyes because it's still Isaiah. Like Isaiah could tell you, right. like Isaiah could give you the best advice in the world and you're just like, ah, shut the fuck up, dude. <laughs> like, you know, go away. Like, he's just, yeah. you know, even yeah. if he was justified and even if he was right, which, you know dubious at best it's still it's isaiah thomas so it's just like oh fuck off yeah. dude <laughs> go away I, yeah i i i think the pistons do have a point in some respects about how they retreat about the nba and how they were seen sure. in and so but you know it's kind of like well you're right but you're also an asshole that's that, that's kind of the um the way i feel about the uh the pistons in general so jerry cross dancing fantastic i loved it <laughs> it was not bad it. not bad like no, i'm well, not a good dancer i'm about equal as jerry Krause. i i, I appreciate oh, it it was okay. nice yeah i well rich i someday want to see you dance <laughs> you won't because i dance like jerry Krause. yeah okay well, i guess i have to win an I, nba championship or get real hammer right. which appeared to be yeah, what, or, what was going on in that bus so. right yes yeah i believe that yeah that was after they beat the pistons yeah he was he was holding the cup in his hand and i'm sure there was yeah oh yeah coke in there yes Yes, to the cool modi um, montage. We didn't talk about it, but um, there are some very good montages um, in this episode as oh, well. Fantastic! Uh, yeah, that's going to be yeah. the legacy of this series is going to be these right. montages. I mean, they are the the perfectly curated music, great highlights. Whoever yes. worked on that, I don't know if it was the same people that whatever that. Yeah. That will be the legacy, I think, of this more than anything, and I hope all those are just clipped out and put on on websites so we can oh, yeah. all watch them for for the rest of time. Because yeah, they are they're perfect. Yeah, you get you know you get Prince just booming through your speakers yeah. while Jordan's just dunking you on know, people and becoming yeah. a legend. It's just uh, oh, yeah, God, party man. Great. Oh, that was perfect. That was absolutely perfect. The Beastie Boys one with Rodman's rebounding was really good too. But yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Party man um, was definitely the uh, best one, and yeah, the. Um, it, well, not quite as much of a montage, but it was their the Kumo D song they're rocking to as Jerry Cross is dancing is in going through that footage. That's some good stuff too. And then yeah, and then we we sort of end um, with the at least the, the this portion of it with the ninety one fi- finals. Of course, you know um, Magic versus Michael. You pretty much you could not have had a more perfect finals matchup from a marketing standpoint of you know the old guard versus the new guard. You know. Um, you know, the way that basically, you know, you transition from the old champion to the new champion, the old dynasty to the new dynasty, you know, it pretty much you couldn't have done it in a better way. Yeah, I, I love that. It's a great series, too, if you ever get a chance to uh, to, to watch it yeah. um, or, or see games from it, because it feels like it, it feels like a very interesting moment in like NBA history where you could tell that, like, there's something big coming and like the NBA right. is oh, never yeah. going to be the same again. Cause like the Lakers who in the eighties were this like showtime and they're bouncing all over the court and doing all this sort of stuff and having the time of their lives or whatever. They are just like abused in, that, in those final few yeah. games. Once they put right. Pippen on magic, it's like magic looks like the oldest guy you've ever seen in your life. Like this guy was ever good. Like this guy was ever an NBA player. Like he still had good games, but it was like, Oh my God, he f- so physically was getting over 
overwhelmed. And, and and the Bulls, I mean, their defense at the time was incredible too. Horace Grant, who again is not really getting enough love in this, is all over the court, bouncing all over the place, blocking everybody. Jordan's everywhere, Pippen's everywhere, and you're like, oh my god, like, geez, this team is completely like they're, they're going to rule the NBA forever. <laughs> like this is this is what basketball is going to be. And 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 for a while, yeah, it obviously was uh, that way. But it's a very illuminating series where you just see like, okay, it's very obvious who the old guard is and who the new guard is, and and the Bulls just go in there and they blitz the Lakers, and the Lakers didn't even see what what was coming, and and. Uh, the torch is passed, and you can even even the interview. I, I, I like that footage where they interviewed Magic after the game too, and he's just like, well, <laughs> he's with, his, with a perfect Magic smile, he's just like, well, if someone had to beat us, it's those guys, and you, you can tell Magic's just like, well, that's it for me, I'm out, guys. Like, right, it's been a right. fun decade, but uh, I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> so right. Like... Yeah, anyway, yeah, and then you know you see you know Michael crying in Magic arms when they when they meet, um, you know, and they talk. Yeah, and obviously you see Jordan's emotional reaction and. Obviously, winning that championship got a lot of you know demons out of um you know from him. Actually, there's a lot of demons that he had. You know, the idea that like he wasn't a winning player or that you know um he could score, but you know couldn't win championships. Uh, it, it's still weird in retrospect that, that was a very conventional wisdom thing for a few years, but it definitely was. That definitely people believe that. I, I remember that very very strongly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, sure. um yeah, um and then you know again, not much in 1998. Um, you know, really, we get um, we, we interestingly we get uh, some evidence of Michael Jordan kind of being a dick. Um, day after the yes. Super Bowl, <laughs> what um, he they're they're on they're on the team plane or getting on the team plane, and then Jordan is loudly berating people for who picked the Packers, you know, because the the. The Broncos won and he won a bet and he shows like a huge amount of money. <laughs> it's and then, to be fair, to be fair, when you say a huge amount of money. For you and I, yes, winning a hundred dollars okay. in a bet oh. is a huge amount. That man made thirty-five million dollars oh, okay. that year. <laughs> okay, hundred dollars. Okay, well, I get not that huge amount of money. I, I, I couldn't tell what kind of bill it was. To be yeah, honest, I think it was but... just a hundred-dollar bill. And he was so happy oh, okay. to have won a hundred-dollar right. bill from from like Scott Burrell, who's probably you know Scott Burrell's right. making fifty k that year. Like a hundred dollars <laughs> does mean a lot to Scott Burrell. And there's right. you know Jordan who made thirty-five million, be like, yeah, beat you, you bitch. Here's my hundred dollars, and it's like, oh dear. Right. <laughs> and, and then Burrell, like Jordan, you know, um. Jordan and Burrell sitting across from each other, and then Jordan. And at first, I thought he was talking about Rodman. About yeah, like, right. I think Burrell thought he was too, because right, Burrell, right. you could see Burrell kind of look around and be like, "Yeah, he's talking about Rodman." Oh no, he's talking yeah. about. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, this guy doesn't never goes to sleep. You know, this guy's up all night. You know, I don't know what he's doing." And, and he's and then he's like, "Oh man, don't, don't don't say this in front of the cameras." You know, he's like he's like he's being nice about it at first, but Jordan is just like egging him on. He's like, "Oh man, don't put this on tape, man. My parents are gonna see this." So <laughs> I, am, I also believe leave at that time that Scott Burrell probably had a girlfriend because he's just like yeah no no because like I think Jordan oh, yeah. even says like ah if he if he settled down with one like ah he ain't, he ain't settled down with one he's out every night oh he's just like, no. yeah oh, <laughs> <God damn it." laughs> yes so yeah we get we get some um we get some some evidence of Michael Jordan uh you know being Michael Jordan and uh we end with a um with uh, Jerry Krause doing an interview with the newspaper where he makes it clear again that Phil won't be back. And basically, um, you know, the, the things have been going better for the Bulls. They've been playing a lot better. You know, they're first in the East, you know, um, Pippen's back, you know, Rodman's pretty much in line. So 
uh, it, odd timing for Krauss to, you know, bring up the idea again, you know, uh, with another round of questions of, you know, asking Jordan what he feels about the comments that Phil will be back and making Jordan ask all the questions and answer all the questions he doesn't want to answer about coming back and so on and so forth. So, um, I, I, I think the tactical thing was just that, or I, I think people generally said that Kraus, you know, obviously Kraus isn't here to say what he thought and no Reinsdorf in this episode, interestingly no. enough, but, um, it doesn't seem like Kraus just made a strategic mistake there. He wasn't really thinking when he said it or, or what have you, or maybe just wanted to put a stamp on the team and, you know, ha- just have his ego assuaged. But yeah, it was definitely like the timing was terrible and everything was, was, right. was pretty bad. And yeah, the, the implication again, that, you know, he, he's, he's essentially saying that him and Phil are done. And again, it's just like posturing between all the, the parties here is, you know, him saying him and Phil are done. That's what he's going to have at the end of the season. Jordan saying, well, I'm not going to play for another coach, but Phil and then Kraus basically, I think he's just trying to get out ahead of the story in a way and try to maybe make him, you know, the sympathetic figure, uh, you know, Jerry Kraus saying, Hey, look, like yeah. we'd love to have Jordan back, but he doesn't want to play for anybody, but Phil, but it's like, man, right. but you are going to get right. rid of Phil. Like just, you know, right. don't get rid of Phil then if that's going to be the case. But uh, obviously sure. the way things were, it, it, it felt like it was a completely untenable situation at this point, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a very weird, uh, weird period. And again, as we've said, and, and as you kind of alluded to there, no Jerry Ransor fears. So it's not like, the, the idea wasn't unilaterally Jerry Krause saying, you know what, let's get rid of this Phil Jackson guy. I'm so, yeah, I mean, come on. I'm right. sure Jerry no. Ransdorf had a part yeah. in that too, but it's a lot oh. easier to go, hey, oh, the dead guy, yeah. he said it. Right. Like, yeah, it was him. He but, did yeah. it all alone. It was that guy, the dead guy that you can't ask for follow-up. Yeah. So, yeah. But that's going to be part of this whole thing, so it's like whatever at this point. Right. You know, yeah. You, you, you got to deal with it. So, yeah, uh, but, uh, yeah, two really great episodes overall. Um, fun stuff. Uh, I'm excited to uh, keep watching, keep talking about it, and re- rewatch some of the uh, old montages. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're four for four, man. These have been really, really good. And, and just easy watches, man. The two hours blow by. I don't know about right, you, but, absolutely. like, yeah. I look down at the yeah. clock. I'm like, man, it's already 945. <laughs> like, shit, right. I gotta, like, yeah. we're going to do this podcast yeah. in about 15 minutes, man. They just <laughs> they blow by. And I think, like, the commercials, there's so few commercials, too, which it just gets you kind of – I'm kind of surprised. Like, I thought this thing would be like wall-to-wall commercials, given like how many people are, are are watching these and the ratings that came out last week or whatnot. I thought we were just going to get inundated by commercials, but I like the idea that what whatever they did, they probably just had you know four or five really high-paid you know commercial spots throughout the show and just said, "All right, Facebook and 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 you know uh, I'm I'm blanking on a few of the other companies that that are, are sponsoring it, but yeah, like you guys pay up a, a shit ton of money and we're going to keep it as low as commercial. Like, there's not you know the commercial doesn't go and it's like three minutes of straight of just like you know 30 second commercials it's like one or two big commercials a sponsored spot and then we get right back to it which is is right. pretty cool it makes it go by i think a little bit a little bit easier too absolutely so anything else to uh talk about i got nothing else man i uh i'm gonna just go listen to uh to party man for, for the rest of the night until All i right. fall asleep so yeah. oh can we talk about the very weird jordan sniff brothers thing oh what yeah, the hell was really- that <laughs> Well, they were his, uh, yeah, they were his uh, posse, I guess. They were, like, his security team and his, like, hangers-on. Um, yeah, so the were- one guy had, like, a mullet, even though it was 1998. He had a mullet and a mustache. Right. Um, yeah. They were called I, the I, Sniff I, Brothers for some weird reason, and then I, they definitely yeah. said that Michael Jordan could cover up sexual abuse if he had the Sniff Brothers, right? Because they're talking well, about no, the president, and he's I like... Know. Okay, yeah, maybe well, I misunderstood that. What, what was I think going you misunderstood there? a little bit. So, so, so Jordan. So, yeah, they're called the Sniff Brothers because they sniff Jordan's jock. And I think, <laughs> I, I, I think they are mostly like work at the arena or yeah, like, yeah, work, yeah. like, yeah. So, um, and and they're referencing like, um, you, you know, the um affair that Clinton had. So, 
not not literal sexual abuse. I mean, more just like the you know okay, the, okay. The, yeah. So so uh, ne- nefarious, but not quite. But uh, right, right, okay. Not that's, that nefarious. That's yeah, fair. very good. That's fair. So, well, my. Yeah. Uh, my uh, well, he's an estranged uncle at this point, but my estranged uncle, uh, he actually worked security for the uh, United Center around that time, but he was unfortunately not one of the Sniff brothers. I got a little oh, excited. No. I got a little excited. Every time I see the backstage stuff, I'm kind of looking for him every so often. He he does oh, okay. show up in a few episodes of uh, Nitro, WCW Nitro, though. He uh, Ooh, nice. in one wow. scene is seen getting yelled at, berated by Eric Bischoff, which I always found oh, really fun okay. at the time. And and I was yeah. like, I don't think he quite knew what was going on. Like I don't know if he quite knew all about wrestling or whatnot, but uh, that was that. But I don't. Uh, we don't talk to him anymore. We don't know what happened to him. I would like to follow up with him right now, but uh, I don't uh, don't think that would go over too well. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, uh, anyway, uh, thanks, everyone, for uh, checking us out. You can find us at uh, The Step Back at uh, fansided slash NBA. And uh, we are also, of course, on Facebook and Twitter at Over and Back NBA. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, pretty much wherever you listen to a podcast. We're going to be working on getting some of the uh, – archive up hopefully um we'll, we'll definitely if, if nothing else we'll definitely focus on getting some of the uh the jordan and bulls related stuff um back up we uh we may we're sort of in a transition on that but you might be seeing a few of the older episodes that haven't been available for several months uh back online so if you haven't had a chance to listen to those uh they'll be available for you to uh, supplement uh, this content absolutely yeah a little out of our hands with that uh, situation but we're doing whatever we can to uh uh, fix it and, and and get it right so it looks like it looks like things are on the right path there so hopefully uh, uh hopefully yeah the archive will be back pretty soon the archive is available all on youtube as well though so if if, if yes, you are absolutely. looking for any of our past episodes everyone with the exception of like one or two i think i've i've figured out are on there but every like major great episode i think we have up there is, is up there on, on youtube as well so uh if you want to get our archives for right now youtube is a, is the best spot but we are planning on getting everything else up there uh again finally we had some people be like hey i'm looking for this episode and i looked at my podcast and i can't find it and it's like we know it's out of our hands unfortunately but uh, yeah. we seem to have fixed it so. all right cool all right well thanks everyone for checking us out we're back again soon Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.